Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of For Fans Of, a recommendation podcast from Fansided Entertainment. I'm your host, Shay Corrigan, and today I'm joined once again by Netflix Life editor Bryce Olin to talk about our recommendations for the week. But first, what was everyone watching last week? Well, last week, everyone was glued to their news stations and or comfort TV of choice as we awaited the results of the U.S. presidential election. But that sorted by Saturday, it was back to our usual scheduled programming, which since it's November, obviously meant daily Christmas movie drops on every network and every streamer. Saturday also saw the rescheduled 2020 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Congratulations to the Doobie Brothers, Whitney Houston, Depeche Mode, and Nine Inch Nails. NCIS returned on Sunday, and Showtime quietly premiered a show called Moonbase 8, a new Fred Armisen comedy about a group of astronauts training in Arizona, which also stars Tim Heidecker and John C. Riley. It was co-written by Portlandia's Jonathan Cazell, which means I look forward to everybody gushing about this show in about mm, three years. HBO and Hulu both premiered a pair of controversial shows on Monday and Tuesday. HBO's industry follows a group of young investment bankers at a London firm competing for one single job. Fans credit its precise and effective setting, but detractors ask, do we really need another show starring cutthroat rich people? Hulu then premiered The Teacher on Tuesday, a limited series starring Kate Mara and Nick Robinson about a high school teacher who begins a predatory sexual relationship with her student. Released week to week, the critics that liked it are applauding the show's treatment of its sensitive subject matter and beg viewers to wait till the whole 10 episodes are up before you watch it. On the other hand, detractors are asking, do we really need another dramatized depiction of the hot for teacher cliche of child abuse? In much, much lighter news, Netflix released a delightful holiday-themed young adult series called Dash and Lily, and all the Chicago Center shows, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, Chicago Med, returned in a one triple header on Wednesday night. Bravo also debuted the latest installment of Real Housewives franchise, introducing fans to six wildly wealthy women living in Salt Lake City. Coming up this weekend, Grey's Anatomy returns Thursday with a Station 19 crossover episode, Jingle Jangle, which is a very endearing looking holiday movie starring Forrest Whitaker and not a spinoff about the fictional drug ravaging Riverdale, drops Friday, and The Crown season four arrives Sunday, meaning we all finally get into the Princess Diana of British history. And now, here to tell us what Dash and Lily even is and why we should watch is Bryce. Bryce, tell me about Dash and Lily. Yeah. Uh, hey, so Dash and Lily is um, it's a new Netflix show, like you said, based on a YA book series by Rachel Cohn and Dan Levithan. Um, it's da- the first season focuses on the first book, Dash and Lily's Book of Dares. So it's got Austin Abrams and Midori Francis. And um, so they play Dash and Lily. They don't know each other. Lily, she loves Christmas, trying to find a suitor for the holidays like a boyfriend. They're other oh, teens, by the way, I should mention that. Um, yeah, it's very, very YA. So, um, she leaves this notebook at the Strand, which is a bookstore in New York City. Um, and Dash goes in there one day feeling bad about the holidays because he's kind of a grump. Um, and he finds this notebook. There's like a bunch of questions about books and stuff. 
it's like a he gets really into it and then writes back to Lily and they go back and forth through this notebook communicating. We see what's happening um, in their like regular lives and then um, they start to fall for each other, but they don't know each other. So that's kind of where we dive into this show. Um, it's eight episodes. They're half an hour long. So you can burn through this basically like a little bit longer than a normal movie. Um, teen shows are super popular on Netflix. So you'll be in the know um, with everyone. I'm pretty sure like, I don't even know. It's going to pop up on the Netflix top 10. Uh, it'll probably be number one like tomorrow. Uh, I don't know why they did a midweek release for this. That should have been a Friday. So people could watch it over the weekend, but I'm sure that's what everyone will do. Um, and then it's just like, it's one of those movie or shows with like, it just has a magical Christmas feel, which like everyone wants right now. And it's set in New York, which is obviously like Christmas time iconic for like various reasons. So like, that's kind of the gist of where we are um, with this new Netflix show. I was going to say the combination of like a teen series and a Chris, like a Hallmark Christmas movie. Like, I don't know why I took Netflix this long to realize like those are their two greatest strengths and like put them into one show. Uh, I'm also getting big, like the Lake House classic Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock rom-com, like, but for teens vibes with like the mag- like, the letter writing and like the magical thing. Um, I do have to ask though, keeping the theme on Netflix shows, I, I learn about shows largely through like osmosis of social media. And the thing that I, the tweet that sort of caught me about uh, Dash and Lily was someone tweeted that Dash is basically Joe from You, who we all know is like, a notoriously psychopathic serial killer stalker who like yeah. there was a whole thing there where it's like it's it was very funny to me but I was like uh what so I got you I I either need you to defend uh Dash or to explain to me this this connection <laughs> yeah it's like um it's really funny because like you have first like the full like uh new york bookstore thing that's like very joe um and then he is and then he isn't he's like much sweeter and nicer and like um he doesn't kill her i mean spoilers but (laughs) (laughs) yes yes no he does not kill her uh that would have been a great twist though uh no he's not creepy necessarily i mean we can go (laughs) back and forth all day long about like writing notes to someone and like falling in love with someone through a notebook is like I don't know, creepy or not. Like, it sort of is, it sort of isn't. But, like, he's well-read. He, uh, like, more so than most people. And his, like, very nihilistic white dude um, thing is, like, very Joe. So, like, they're definitely, like, he has a Joe vibe, but, like, he's not going to kill anyone as far, like, he might in, like, later books or, like, if we get another season, maybe that's where this goes. I don't see it going that way, but, like, I get the comparison for sure. Uh, so to keep my, I'm pretty sure this is going to be another Sandra Bullock uh, rom-com reference, but to, <laughs> but to keep this going, then it's almost like a Joe Sliding Doors prequel where like there was one reality where Dash grows up to be Joe, but in, I we assume the reality of Dash and Lily, he likes, I don't know, discovers the joy of Christmas and doesn't kill women. Yeah, I think, well, it's weird too, because he so he's a teenager and this is part of the series that like maybe this is like i don't know like small potatoes is that is that the saying yeah it he he doesn't like christmas but he doesn't want to like be around his family either at christmas which is like i guess normal but like 
it's kind of weird. <laughs> like, like, I don't know if it just is like reinforcing like the I hate Christmas thing, but like not everyone celebrates Christmas. So like, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird like mix. They could have gone a different direction to show like he's kind of a Scrooge without being like, he also hates his family too. <laughs> yeah, those seem like two different sort of uh, pieces of baggage there to unpack. Yeah. You can hate your family and love Christmas. I'm not like, but that's like, it kind of right. seems like the show equates that. Or vice versa, love your family and hate Christmas. Exactly, um, same, same. <laughs> All right, the other thing that I picked up from social media osmosis here was some inclusion or something or other, just the Jonas Brothers. What? <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a little shocking for me too because I watched this and I didn't know at the time that Nick Jonas is actually a producer on the show. Um, so that, like, he, uh, not, this isn't a super spoiler because it's like all over, but like he's in the show too in a small role. But then we also get to see uh, the Jonas Brothers perform. I think the song's called uh, It's Like Christmas or Like It's Christmas, something like that. Uh, has Christmas in the title. But yeah, it, so I think that's the connection. He's a producer on the show. It's not just like this, like, it, it does come a little bit like out of left field. You're like, whoa, Jonas Brothers, they like didn't mention this. But it's sort of also, like I said, no spoilers, but it sort of also makes sense with like so one of the story arcs. They aren't mentioned before this, I, before they show up, but like it makes sense. And we get a little uh, like, I don't know, Nick Jonas is funny. <laughs> like, it makes sense, I guess. People like it. Uh, is, is he playing himself or is he like an actual character? No, he's he's playing himself. And like he mentions his family and stuff. So yeah, it's like very clear. This is Nick Jonas. This is not just a character from <laughs> this show. Like yeah it, like I said it, it's a pretty funny like actual moment and like the people who like the Jonas Brothers at like any point of their like rise to like power pop team power like they are it, it's this shows for them so it's like I don't know it's fun I feel like it's also very like it builds on every time like both with bad Christmas movies and with teen movies like I think best I can tell they're popular with their like target demo but they're also like super, like teen shows are super popular with like women in their like late 20s, early 30s, which is exactly like the demographic that like grew up, like were the Jonas Brothers like stands. So it's, it's another, I feel like it's, I don't know, I always joke on our Bachelor podcast that I'm just extraordinarily cynical about everything, but it's like, oh, this seems like a classic, like we were like already probably going to get this like older audience to tune in anyways just because they love teen series and they love uh christmas movies but we're gonna throw in like a jonas brothers cameo too and then they'll really be in they'll really click watch yeah. <laughs> like i think like you said so the you thing was like popular on social media and then like the jonas brothers thing was like the other thing so like yeah if like you need something to like tip you over to the edge you're like oh the jonas brothers are in this like what are they doing here and then um yeah i think that's just like a very very smart business move include everyone that we possibly can to make someone watch it's like yeah. very netflix too like it just makes sense like with like their whole like business model of like how they promote shows and stuff like they've are like there was already like videos and stuff they announced the jonas brothers were in it right when it came out like instead of like waiting and saving it they're like here yeah. please <laughs> the jonas brothers i also i 
It makes me <laughs> groan a little. I was watching the, there was a new quarantine episode of this French series called, the English title is The Hookup Plan. And they, they did a quarantine episode. It was very well handled. But at one point there was like a running, like one of the guys is dressed up as like Joe Exotic. And so they're talking about like, oh yeah, like, no, that was the Netflix series we watched at the beginning. Of, like, And there was like the reference, A, the fact that they were doing a Tiger King, like, reference at all and then the fact that they like explicitly call it out like oh no like that was what we watched on netflix earlier i'm like i it's a small thing where it's like i i know that netflix knows that i know like we all know what's going on here but it's like must you be so heavy-handed when you're like when there was it happened it might have happened on youtube where like there was something where one of the characters was watching another netflix series and it's like must you must yeah. you be so obvious <laughs> it's like yeah like how does that like i don't think that that happens in dash and lily but like there could have like i might have missed it like a scene where they like turn on the tv and it's like the netflix logo pops up or something like that like it that's like what they do it's their thing i remember what it was it was uh in in last year's the christmas switch she's watching a christmas prince and i was like yes yeah and then they released like the whole thing of like the like the netflix holiday movie like cinematic universe or whatever which i love i love stuff like that like how does this like factor in like uh i hope that like one day this is off topic but i hope that we get like a the princess switch slash a christmas prince like crossover movie i think that's just like is meant to be like the whole royalty but then if if a christmas prince is a movie that they can watch in the christmas switch does that mean (laughs) that in a in the christmas switch universe a christmas prince is actually a documentary yeah it would have to be right right? yeah yeah. (laughs) i mean netflix would be like yeah whatever we'll just like i don't know paper over it or whatever no one will notice yeah that's the fact that we care about in these christmas movies (laughs) yeah exactly um okay so now i want to sort of stop us for a second and i'm going to pitch you on a show because i okay i've become not I'm not all the way in, but I am dipping my toe in the Real Housewives universe, and I am loving it. I watched uh, the premiere of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City last night, and I would say, like, 2020 has been a year that is, like, it's it's full of surprises and ups and downs. We're all discovering a lot about ourselves in quarantine, and I think, like, this might be, you know, final quarter of the year. It's like, mm, I might be a Real Housewives person now. Uh, so Salt Lake City. And the other thing, I'm, I never watched the series before. I watched a couple episodes of Dallas like three years ago for work. Um, <laughs> quick plug for Fansided's Real Housewives site, Champagne and Shay. Um, <laughs> and like, I, but I never really got into it. I have so many friends that like love it. And I think, I think Salt Lake City might be the gateway show for me and potentially others. And so I would encourage anyone that likes drama and then also like really like try hard reality TV rookies just like giving you their absolute most always to give it a try. Uh, I would argue that Salt Lake has, uh, and I, I don't know what their abbreviation is going to be here, if there's like a, a, a phonetic way to say R-H-L-S-C. Uh, anyways. Yeah, it has, that's too many letters. Right, yeah. Uh, it truly has something for everything, is everyone. It is vaguely sports adjacent. One of the wives is married to a university. He's introduced as a University of Utah football coach. One of my friends fact-checked that and was like, he's actually just a special teams coordinator. So there's like a lot of like <laughs> reality TV people who don't fully understand sports but are going to name drop sports going on. Uh, it is vaguely like Hollywood entertainment world adjacent, 
one of the wives is the self-proclaimed queen of the Sundance Film Festival. So there's going to be like a lot of like socialites and influencers not really appreciating like cinema with a capital C, like that's going on there. Uh, and then it's vaguely uh, cult adjacent because a lot of the wives are or were raised Mormon. So despite their flaunting of like every single tenant of the Church of Latter-day Saints, there's like Mormonism is like all over the place there. So it's just like, it's a real housewife show. So you've got that like built-in foundation. And then it's got all these other little like, I don't know, treats that are just like, oh, like <laughs> this is gonna be just an amazing blend of things. And because it's the first season, it's the perfect show for someone that's never watched it because it's all, it's all fresh. Like there's no history or anything like that that um, you need to know before going in. Okay, I was a little, I was confused. I see, so I'm not a huge Real Housewives person. I'm aware that it like exists. I love trash TV. So like, I don't know why I don't watch the show, but um, I like do, you, so you don't need to have watched, like there's no crossover between like the other seasons or characters. No, not yet. So I, and okay. I don't even know if that happens on the other ones. Cause like, like I, I was not a real hot <laughs> person until like truly 24 hours ago. Yeah. Uh, so like, I, I cannot trust enough that like, because this is the first season, like you don't have any catching up to do. Like none of these, the women have history a little bit with each other, but because they live in the same city, but not with like any other franchises, no one's moved right. around. Um, so there's no, there's no catching up. There's no like need to know going in. Uh, but like the even better thing is that, like these women aren't super media trained yet. And so like, they'll say like really awkward and like super cringy things in an effort to sort of be like the real housewife type where it's like, they'll be, they'll try to be like extra catty or dramatic and, <laughs> and it, it works. I mean, it, it fuels the drama and I'm sure some of the other shows are like a little bit contrived too. But there's like, as I sort of understand it, an effortlessness to like the women on like New York or Beverly Hills that like they've been doing this for years. Like they know what to say at the table and they know what to say in the interview that they know is going to be cut right next. Like it's like it's smooth and like <laughs> the show is rough and everything <laughs> down to like their glam squads. One of my friends pointed out that like one woman's like face and shoulders are different colors and are like mm. even like no shade to Salt Lake City, but a little bit of shade, like they're plastic surgeons, like work is a little bit more obvious than some of the right, other. Right, right, right. It's just, <laughs> it's not polished the way that I imagine like New York or Beverly Hills or Atlanta even to be, it's like, that is fun to watch for me where it's like, I, I feel like I really like, it's like what I imagine watching the early seasons of, like the other series are like, except without the like outdated clothes. Um, so yeah, like I found Real Housewives like very intimidating. So it's like, what series, like what city do I start with? What season do I start with? Do I need to start at the beginning? How do I do this? And then when you yes. ask Real Housewives fans, they all have different opinions. It's a lot. Salt Lake City is simple. It's easy. It's a mess, but just like an uncut mess. I, I'm all in. Yeah. And like, so that, that's like my next question. So like, I know that there's like big money there in like Park City, Salt Lake City around that area with like, I, like you mentioned the Sundance Film Festival. Like, is there enough drama though? Like to keep me entertained? Like, am I going to be like, mm, I don't care or, but like, I need something. There is so much drama. Uh, okay. So <laughs> I think, and I think where the drama really comes from, at least from what I've seen so far is that like the women all sort of have different 
backgrounds and like different reasons for being in Salt Lake. Like a couple of them are like born and raised. A couple of them went to school there, then stayed. One of them has her business there, I think. Um, but they're also not all. So like the one of the big hooks for me was like them being like, oh, it's like Real Housewives and they're Mormons, but like they're not all Mormons. So, like, you can't very go very far if you have a show if you have real housewives that's all about mormons because if if they're particularly like good mormons or good like to their <laughs> faith then like they're not going to be swearing and they're not going to be drinking and they're not going to be having affairs and like all the things that fuel the real housewives universe yes okay but these women are are all over the board so you've got jen who was raised mormon but converted to islam um when she married her husband you've got heather who is self-describes as a purebred pedigree pioneer Mormon. Um, but also like her personality, her niche right now seems to be being like the, the begrudging Mormon almost where like she, <laughs> one of the things in the premiere is like, she's uh, this other woman says first, she denies that she knew her in college. And then she says she vaguely remembers her as a good time girl. Um, square, quotes, scare, scare quotes on that and so then there's like a whole side thing about uh, she just thinks like, like I would have been a good time girl if I could have been I wish I had gone to a different college I would have gone to a fun college and I would have been a good time girl like you it was like you could hear like the meme just like evolving in real time um yeah so there, there's her then there's Meredith who is just not more at all she's the one that's just there for business I believe uh, she might have gone to school there but like her and they're also from Chicago so like her family is split and her husband is mostly still in Chicago uh Mary who we'll get we'll circle back to Mary because uh, this was the other the two things that got me with this show was um the Mormons uh Salt Lake because I do I like Salt Lake and Park City a lot um and then this Mary who is Pentecostal she is a preacher i think i'm not sure what the title is in the pentecostal church but that's what she is she <laughs> she is married to her step grandfather because in her grandmother's will <laughs> willed her husband to her granddaughter <laughs> like we're still finding this all out they described it as an arranged marriage of sorts um but like that is something that of course all the women have lots of opinions on um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have lots of questions now. I did see some, so I watched the trailer mm. and I did see something about a grandfather and I thought, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, but now it makes more sense. That's incredible. He, he didn't look as old as I thought he was going to look. Like he looks more one generation off versus two, but still, that's family. You you willed your <laughs> to your granddaughter. It's, it's, Nuts. It's a head scratcher for sure. <laughs> yeah, and so that's going to be a fun thing to watch them all work through. Uh, and then the other two, one of them, uh, she she described herself as Jewish by heritage and Mormon by choice, but also that she is Mormon 2.0 and uh, was not about the Mormon <laughs> rules. And then lastly, my favorite, Whitney, was a Mormon, and she like mentioned who her like ancestor was, and I guess he was like a close, uh, you know advisor or something to like Brigham Young so like her family is like a big deal she's excommunicated from the Mormon church because she I don't know if she got divorced first but I think I think there might have been an affair where she and her current husband had an affair 
and then divorced their respective spouses and got married. And they've been together 10 years now and they seem happy. Um, the, the premiere starts with a, like a vow renewal. Um, but I, she just also, she looks like a Barbie doll and she also is my favorite so far. She just seems so delightful. Um, and I also love that she's excommunicated. And then it was also when she was talking about her family, she was like, it's a very big deal that I'm not a Mormon. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. It <laughs> seems like that the, like, like I said, I haven't seen other seasons, so this might be a thing elsewhere, but like the religion yeah. and like religious aspect to the show seems like a game changer honestly with like it's like adds like a layer of intrigue especially with like people being excommunicated like i don't really fully understand what that means totally because i don't know that much about the mormon church however being excommunicated from anything is probably a big deal <laughs> so yeah like, I, mean, I, uh, I also yeah, don't like, know how much like being a good christian or something is like thrown around as like an empty insult on the other shows but like it seems like it would actually carry weight on this where it's like there was a party and the one woman was like yeah like we had an open bar which means like all the mormons are in the corner like surreptitiously like drinking their drinks and getting drunk and all the non-mormons are just getting like front and line getting wasted on the dance floor and like there is like you said like there's another there's an additional way for them to like shade each other and like be judgy that i feel like it, we really especially because they're they're like across so many different faiths that so there's there's a lot going on there and because right. they're new to this there's just like no filter either <laughs> yeah and like the um like the i don't know how to say this but like in your business aspect of like oh, yeah. <laughs> just overall like religious society in general is like very interesting and then putting it on tv is just like it seems like the perfect mix of like drama and like you said like personal insult <laughs> that could lead to something great yeah they i feel like they really like it's a real they really got the sort of mixture right of like 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 these families are all like obscenely wealthy and like some of it is like inherited wealth some of it i think one of the guys is like tech or something so there's like new money there's like new money you got like new money old money you've got like born and raised Grandpa money mormon, convert mormon <laughs> not mormon like there are just like so many different areas. And then like, it's like on top of it all, there's no history that you need to know. So you can just start right off, like right off the bat with this episode. And they're not particularly like good at being reality stars yet. So you get them saying like incredibly cringy things like the one woman, um, the purebred pedigree pioneer Mormon also said <laughs> that, like, she was like, I just like, it's, it's tough to be a Mormon or it's tough because like, I just really love, and this is a direct quote, rap music, black men and homosexuals. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I mean, I guess it's good. And she's like, and those are all the things that like, the Mormon church doesn't like. And it was like, I, oh, okay. Keep going. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah. I feel it's like, like... Stop, but I want you to keep going. <laughs> Yeah, it's like what I wish that, I mean, not necessarily that, but like what I wish that like The Bachelor was in this like a whole other topic, but like, like it's too polished now and like it's too much for, it feels like like Instagram famous afterward that it's like you present like a different version of yourself with like your business and brand in mind where these people, it sounds like they have enough money where you don't actually care about like what you know what I mean like if you don't yeah. actually care then like we could get somewhere really really uh interesting everybody knows the bachelor like everyone knows what the bachelor is and the bachelor is and they and they also seem to be I don't say smarter but like they know most of them seem to know how to behave so like you said like get the ends that they're looking for 
Whereas yeah. like, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think these women know what they're going for too, but like what they're going for is also very like messy, but it's like <laughs> yeah. it's not practiced mess yet. I don't know. It's I I yeah, I need to talk to more people that have seen the other shows because I just like have a lot of questions whether this is like normal level of sloppy or not. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, I think it's, like, obviously, like, The Bachelor is, like, a very well-produced show. I'm sure Real Housewives is, too. I What I've heard about the show, though, is, like, it's not that hard to, like, get a test run to, like, see if your city yeah. is, like, worth it, <laughs> you know? Like, and so, like, that level of intrigue, like, when did they shoot the pilot versus, like, did all of these people have, like, publicists and, like, people trying to make their image better beforehand? Or, like, does that happen in future seasons? <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I do know, and I don't know the full like chronology of this, but I, I think they thought about doing a, um, I think they thought about doing a uh, Salt Lake City one a couple of years ago, maybe a couple of years ago before, and then it didn't happen. And now it's like truly off the ground. So maybe they needed like the right people. Maybe they needed to wait for the one woman to marry her grandfather. I don't know, but like <laughs> they are, they're ready to go. That's, I'm going to watch this now. At first I was like, Salt Lake City, like, eh, I don't really, like, is there, like, enough money there, like, to, like, is it going to be interesting? But, like, I'm all in now. I'm definitely watching yeah. this later. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm glad. You'll have to let me know what you think. And, yes, I definitely will. <laughs> uh, but I also want, I don't like, at a wildly different note, maybe also not a very different note. Uh, we mentioned before that uh, The Crown comes back on Sunday on Netflix. Yes. Uh, speaking of uh, slightly unusual release dates, I feel like that's usually a Friday show. Um, yeah. I don't know why they're doing the that. <laughs> yeah. So The Crown, I think, I mean, if you're not watching The Crown by now, are you going to watch it? You should, because it's one of the best shows on Netflix, I think. Um, just from like, overall, like the acting is incredible. The set designs, uh, the costumes, I don't know how they do it, but they're like basically like replicas of like what they were actually wedding or wearing. <laughs> I almost slipped up. <laughs> um, but just in case people don't know what it is, it's the life story of Queen Elizabeth and the royal family starting before her coronation. I don't mm -hmm. know the year that that happened, but like the 50s, I think, somewhere in there. Um, yeah, we'll go with that. And then it just jumps through the decades. Like the first season, Claire Foy stars as uh, Queen Elizabeth. And then she, yeah, she stars as her for two seasons. And then we switch out and get a whole new cast in season three. Um, I don't know why exactly they did that, but that was always the plan. It's not like they were like, mm, she's bad at this now. Like, no, she's very, very good. Probably too good. They don't want to like put her in like all the prosthetics and stuff to make her look older. So they bring in Olivia Coleman um, in season three. And she's the queen in season four. And you've got Helena Bonham Carter, um, Tobias Menzies plays Prince Philip. Um, and so, yeah, it's just all around great show. Uh, it's a period drama, but it's also a family drama, uh, which is like, I mean, it's like very high stakes, obviously, because it's the <laughs> royal family, which like, I don't know, like if the people don't like each other in normal families, it's like, eh, okay. But like these people like have to at least have like the appearance that they like each other for like obvious reasons. Um, it's, it, it's a hard show to binge watch, which is like anti-Netflix kind of, like they do binge watching. That's like the Netflix thing. Um, but each episode, so there's 10 episodes in each season. Each episode is like an hour plus. Like, I don't know 
one that's like under 50 minutes and most of them are like right on that hour mark and so compared to like a normal show that's like on us tv uh, broadcast or whatever that's like 40 minutes in and out like for an episode and so you know by three episodes you've watched another hour of tv in the crown which can add up you know over a binge watch and like it's very um like I said, very good acting. It's a lot of monologues though, and like really intense conversations. So like that can get a little monotonous, I guess, but very good. If you haven't watched it, you definitely should. Um, and you don't really even need to start at the first season. Like you could jump in at season three. Like I said, they switch out actors. Um, if, if you know anything about British history, you can kind of follow along where the show is. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, what's interesting about the switching actors to me is that I, you get really attached. Like, I really liked uh, Claire Foy and Vanessa Kirby and, oh my gosh, the guy that was Doctor Who, who was like the trio from the, the first season or the first two seasons. And so I was really bummed when they're like, oh, like, they're going to be replacing them. And I think you're right. Like, it, it was like a, a time jump age thing where it's like, uh, Claire Foy looked like her when she was young, but uh, Olivia Coleman like is more in line with her as she was like an older monarch. Um, but I and then but then they announced the cast, and it was like, oh, we're gonna Helena Bonham Carter, Tobias Menzies, and Olivia Coleman. It's like, well, I can't be mad now. Like you yeah. swapped out three great actors with three also great actors. Like, okay, fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, that's like it's hard to like like you said, you do get attached. Like it's weird watching the third season. I'm sure if you just went from the crown season one, the crown season two, then the crown season three within like a couple of weeks. But like, I can't remember when it premiered. I think it was like 2016 or 2017, the first season. The next season was a year later. And then season three was two years after that. And so then we're getting uh, season four, a year after season three. And then there's going to be another year gap between. So it's like, if you're watching as it's coming out, you probably don't even remember, honestly, like yeah. what they looked like or like how it was going. You kind of just get thrown back into it, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, so speaking of getting thrown into things, where are we at in season four? Where are like in real life focus? Like what's, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, so um, season three leaves off in 1977 for the Silver Jubilee, which is the Queen's 25th anniversary of becoming the queen I think is the yeah okay. silver 25 yeah um so we pick up um season four two years later in 1979 um and I believe this season um is going to run through like 1990 so um I'm no British historian or just any historian I'm <laughs> at all uh but I think that you're going to have obviously like Cold War stuff going on in Europe um I know that there's a war in the I believe it's called the Falklands that, that was mentioned in the synopsis. So uh, that's important. But mainly what's gonna happen here is we're gonna meet uh, Margaret Thatcher, who obviously, I mean, very famous. Uh, and she's played by Gillian Anderson, who's probably more famous. No, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, maybe. <laughs> in the US. And she's, yeah, definitely. Uh, the X-Files, um, more yeah. recently, Sex Education on Netflix, which is a great show also. Um, and I'm just really excited to see, uh, like the transition from Otis's mom, who she plays in sex education to, uh, Margaret Thatcher, which is like very drastically different characters. Um, but there's like a big feud between not, I guess maybe not a feud. There's a lot of tension between, uh, 
Maggie Thatcher and uh, the Queen, uh, yeah. from what I've gathered. I'm excited about that. Well, I'm 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 not excited to go through the experience of like watching an actress that I really really like play a person that I really really don't because then it's like oh right. like, I'm, I'm appreciating what you're doing here. Um, and like from whatever, like she really like she chews up the material. So like that's exciting. But also like I much prefer when it's like a sex education situation where I can just like love her uh, unabashedly. Yes. Uh, but I am I'm ex- I'm excited and interested to sort of see the scenes between Thatcher and Elizabeth because like I think an interesting thing again when I'm feeling cynical about The Crown is that like it's an honest look at or mostly honest look at the royal family. And so like it, it definitely goes further than like uh, Buckingham Palace and like the royal family would probably like from like what, yes. you know, rumor things like, it's a little bit more uh, unvarnished, I guess, in that regard. But at the same time, like it still has like, a very like largely, like Elizabeth is your protagonist. She's your sort of heroine that you, it is kind of, ultimately sympathetic to her and to the family which is not necessarily you know in 2020 a take that most people are like monarchists like that's that's not yeah you've got you've got our hero our heroine here who is like (laughs) going up against someone that is also not super popular in 2020 like it's it's gonna be i'm very excited to see how they handle it um because i don't know i feel like it's gonna help their like soft case for queen elizabeth (laughs) Right. And it's like, it's kind of weird because like, so like the first two or or three seasons, really, it's like uh, Elizabeth, it seems like she's like trying to find her footing, right, as the queen. And then that's like how it goes, basically. Um, But then, like, I think that she gets to the point at the end of season three, where she kind of accepts like this role that like the queen must take, like she finds her path kind of. And it's like, it shows like, it kind of pulls the curtain back on like, here's how she gets to that point and like why the Royal family like is like so protective yeah. about like the information, like kind of how you mentioned, like uh, they don't probably don't love this, but then they also like, it, it kind of confirms why that they would do that and like why that they need to do that for like, I don't know, just the general public, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's a real weird case of like, it's it's sympathetic to the royal family while also exposing them i don't know it's it's uh i enjoy it um yeah and then i should say so season four the probably the biggest thing that i also left out was you know we're gonna meet princess diana in this season played by emma corin um she looks very much like princess diana so (laughs) that's gonna be really interesting to see how fans respond to that and her is it Charles? Is it Charles who she gets married to? Yeah, okay. They all have very similar names. It's very difficult for someone who's like not in the loop to like keep up. Because now we have two Margarets in the next season, but like obviously very different, but just two of them is going to make writing about it very hard. Yeah. And like their titles all like some people are princesses, some people are like not princesses, and they're just like royal highnesses. It's it's a mess that I can also not keep straight. But yeah, I am very excited about Diana. I Princess Diana is such an interesting figure to me because I was a little too young to like experience it firsthand, but like was the kind of person that, as best I can tell, literally everybody loved, like no matter their feelings on the royal family or the UK or like anything like, like American and like what, like everyone just seemed to like 
really love her. And I also was laughing like earlier this summer, it felt like the ultimate like quarantine fashion trend, at least for women was like Princess Diana's look of like a sweatshirt or a very large t-shirt and bike shorts. And it's like, she is, <laughs> she's still like such this presence that, um, yeah, like I feel like season four, again, from like what we know about the timeline is really just kind of kind of like introduce her and like make her a part of the story before getting into like the really bleak tragedy of it all. But it's, it's also interesting in the regard that like, I felt like if I, and again, it was, was it last year that season three came out? Like largely is sympathetic to to Charles, who like, like Charles is a very sympathetic character in the context of his relationship with his parents who are not great parents to him. Yes. But then you're going to put him in this situation where like he's kind of the bad guy-ish in the relationship, like in contrast to Diana. So it gets, there's a lot to go on there, which brings me to my question to you, for you. If we've got, you know, this like Diana Charles story going to be huge. Thatcher is going to be huge. Where are we at in this sort of like progress from when the show started to where we're at in season four, as far as like, how much is it even still about Queen Elizabeth? That's a really good question. And so like I mentioned, the season finale of season three ends with um, like this really good exchange with, with uh, Margaret and the queen. And she's like, she says like, there's only one queen and you know, the queen then goes on like her, uh, gets in the carriage by herself. And like, it's very like, it's all about you. And then now in season four, it's like, okay, now we're throwing in these like larger than life, I guess their personalities in like the, the yeah. terms of the show, but like character figures in real life. Um, to like go against that. And so it'll be really interesting to see like the dynamic of like how much time they give to like Margaret Thatcher. Like, do we see her outside of like her relationship with the queen and like that tension? I think that they might go the opposite direction and like pretty much like the only times that we'll see her are like when she makes like public addresses and then like when she's like sat in like Buckingham, Buckingham Palace or whatever, like having this like really like, uh, like it's like a sword fight, but like just with words between the queen and her, I'm not really sure. The Diana thing is interesting because of like the show covers so much time in a season. Like yeah. the third season I think was like almost 15 years, like 13 years or something like that. And there's 10 episodes. This I think is gonna be like another decade. And so it's just, is gonna be really weird of like where they decide to like go in in like should like show us what was going on you know what i mean like it can get really like we don't see this from like it's not a thirty thousand foot like look at this like we're like in it like it's very very close uh and so yeah it'll be, be interesting to see like how much they do focus on the queen versus these other uh characters i guess yeah i'm torn between like i'm generally i generally think it's wise when shows let sort of the characters that people like and like the characters that really work sort of like expand and take over where it's like, I, I feel like the quintessential example is like new girl being written about Zoe Deschanel. And then they realized they had this like rock star ensemble. So you can see over the course of like the first season and second season, like all the other characters get like bigger parts, but at the same time, it's like Olivia Coleman is so great. Like I want to see so much more of her. Um, so I'm, I, I'm cautiously optimistic that they'll, they'll, uh, give her give her a loss to do um but in any case i am excited i'm definitely gonna watch the crown you have i would say like i'm a soft yes on dash and lily where it's like <laughs> it's, i 
I, I didn't say this before, but I am actually one of like a, a soft, a gentle Scrooge, I guess. I'm not like a full Scrooge, but like I don't love Christmas. <laughs> so I generally need it to be at least December before I dive into, you know, my my cheesy Christmas material. So soft yes there, hard yes on the crown. Um, and I and think then, I gotta, oh my God. Oh yeah, hard yes on Real Housewives for me. So like, we're, we're all yeses today, which yeah. I don't know if that's happened in a while. Like, No, that's, that's, it's, it's, uh, I feel like unusual. But I also don't know if I necessarily push people for answers at the end of these usually. <laughs> yeah, we should, that's what we should do more. So are you a yes or a no? Like, no. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, okay. yeah. Oh no, I was just going to say, so with the, like, it's weird that Netflix like does, like their full Christmas push is like in November. I don't think that anyone really talks about that, but like, it makes sense because they like, people want to watch this stuff for like six weeks now, but like, it'll be interesting to see if they've saved anything for actual Christmas time. Yeah, that's, I remember it was like the night before Christmas that we were watching for a work thing last year and we watched it before Thanksgiving. And I was like, what? Like, this doesn't make a ton yeah. of sense, but here we are. Uh, right. <laughs> And then, like, they usually save, I don't know, with, like, the pandemic and anything, like, do they have other shows lined up or not for, like, or movies? But, like, there's always, like, The Witcher came out, like, right before Christmas. You comes out, like, it was always right after Christmas for the first two seasons. It's not coming out this year, I know, but uh, because of the pandemic. But, yeah, so we'll just see what happens, I guess. Yeah, Um, interesting stuff. And plenty of viewing for this weekend. So thank you to everyone for listening. Please watch Dash and Lily, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, and The Crown. Three wildly different experiences, but all sure to delight. Uh, And we will see you next week. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.